That was an abrupt end. <laughs> Welcome to the Cinema Moon Podcast. I'm your host, John Murphy, and I'm joined by my co-host, Roy Hurdle. Hey there, John. How you doing? Pretty good. Looks like you got a a fine looking uh, rifle there. Oh yeah. <clears throat> Looks like you know your weapons. A little this bit here. This here's a lever lever action breech loader. The usual barrel length's thirty inches. This one, it's got an extra four. Whoa. It's it's converted to use a special forty five caliber hundred and ten grain metal cartridge with a five hundred forty grain paper batch bullet. Hmm. It's fitted with double set triggers and a vernier sight, marked up to twelve hundred yards. But this one, it shoots a mite further. <laughs> huh? Interesting. I don't know if I've ever seen a rifle of that magnitude before. Maybe yeah. we should uh, test it out. Oh, I'm a I'm a pretty good marksman. I hope I don't uh, make you feel like less of a man. I tell you what, we got this here. Uh, I got you this here bucket. Why don't you uh, get one of your men to run it out there a ways yonder on your horse, and I'll I'll take a shot at it. All right, go ahead, Jones. All right, that's far enough. We don't need to go any further than that. Now. That's not very far, but okay. Oh, what are you talking about? That that distance be hard for a, a regular man to hit anything. Okay. Now, here we go. I'm going to line up the whole <clears throat> vernier sight here. Uh, hmm. Well, let me let me take another shot. Here we, here we go. Okay. Hmm. I think uh, I, I, I think I hit it. Did you see? see no, the dot? I hit it. No, no, no. All right, we'll just just one more time. Two Maybe out of three. Or try it again here. Here we yeah, go. Try one again. More time. One more time. Ah! Hmm. Uh, yeah, that was uh, six shots there in that rally. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I guess we better just uh, just be moving on. Yeah, maybe maybe you'd be better at poker or something. Yeah, you know I'm good at poker. I love a good blind man stud. <laughs> Texas, let him go. That's my game. Yeah, yeah. Everything wild. That's that. I always win that one. Well, actually, <laughs> I actually wound up tying a lot on that game, but you know it's exciting. Hmm. Hmm. We could play some truthful dice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) The old quigs. Yeah, sorry. That wasn't our strongest one. I didn't have much of a cowboy voice worked up for that. With uh, editing magic, it'll turn into something special. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, On tonight's episode, we are reviewing the 1990 Western Quigley Down Under Starring Tom Selleck, directed by Simon Winsor. <clears throat> so you'll uh, probably have noticed we missed our last episode. Uh, that was all my fault. I uh, contracted the flu. <clears throat> um, and I was sick from a Sunday all the way to basically a Thursday. It's awful, dude. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I was telling other people that it's the longest I've ever been sick with the flu. If even though it wasn't maybe the worst I've had it, but usually I've I'm 
terribly ill for two or three days and then I'm done. But this hung on much longer. You know, it's a shame we weren't in Australia. We could have looked up some Aboriginal medicine man to, you know, blow some right smoke up. at you and heal you. Work his magic. Eat some grub worms. Uh, so, yeah, apologies for that. If you uh, missed us, we're sorry. And hopefully I don't go into a coughing fit this episode, um, but I still have a bit of a cough. So anyway, uh, this is a spoiler podcast. So if you've never seen the movie and you don't want to be spoiled, pause this episode, go watch the movie and then come back. Stay tuned until the end of the episode where we reveal what our next movie will be so you can follow along with us. If you would like to get in touch with us or give us your take on a movie, you can email us at feedback at cinemamenpodcast.com or go to Twitter at twitter.com slash cinemamenpod. If you would like to support us monetarily and have the means to do so, you can go to anchor.fm slash cinemamenpodcast slash support. We use the money to improve the quality of the podcast in advance. Thank you very much. Let's get started with our review of Quigley Down Under. Matthew Quigley did was answer a help wanted ad. But a few surprises were waiting for Quigley down under. There was no mention of his friendly co-workers. Is everybody in this country as butt ugly as you three? Or that he'd get an assistant. Look out, Roy! Sorry, Roy! Nothing about the transportation problem. Are we lost? Nope. I know exactly where we are. We're lost. The unusual local inhabitants. The extraordinary cuisine. I don't eat things that are still moving. You gonna shoot it first? Or the extra duties. You can take me if you want to, Roy. Yep. Next time she talks like that, go all over the dress. Worst of all, his employer turned out to be somewhat moody. You could call it that. Well, that was <laughs> what was that trailer? <laughs> the trailer really makes this movie seem very, very uh, weird. It completely makes up dialogue in some cases. <laughs> uh, I believe it did censor some of the stuff. Oh, what's also, he going to run into down under, John? <laughs> oh, my gosh. He's going to have some problems down under. With his employer and then random <laughs> baby cries. <laughs> what? Yeah. Insert Aborigine language. (laughs) (laughs) There's no context. Yeah, no context. At least on the audio version. So it just sounds like a guy gibbering. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's good. Ah, Reading the plot synopsis from IMDb. Sharpshooter Matt Quigley. That's where they call him Matt Quigley. It's Matthew. Yeah, it's Matthew Quigley. Uh, is hired from Wyoming by an Australian rancher paying a very high price. But when Quigley arrives down under, all is not as it seems. Well, that's an understatement. Indeed. We have our regular categories. Acting, plot, art direction, cinematography and visual effects, score and miscellaneous. Um, Matt, or should I say Roy? you also have seen this movie many times yes what did you think of the plot 
of Quigley Down Under. So the plot is fun. Um, it's interesting. There's a lot going on. Um, I feel like the pacing is a little weird in the film in, in terms of, you know, downtime and uptime and uh, everything feels really rushed in this movie. It feels like they're trying to tell a long story in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the plot suffers a little bit from that. Um, that said, though, uh, it's a really enjoyable movie. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I actually watched it twice for this review. The The first time I watched it, uh, I was a little bit distracted and I didn't get everything out of it that I wanted to. So I watched it a second time and I'm really glad I did because on the second viewing, um, it I, it really connected with me a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think this is a movie you need to sit down and give attention to. It's not one you really just kind of want to watch over your shoulder, so to speak. Um. But the plot is entertaining, though. The characters are interesting and fun, even though there's not very many of them. Uh, it's a pretty small cast, all in all. Uh, and, you know, it's got some scenes that feel a little like, eh, I don't know about that. You know, uh, the, the first one that springs into my mind is when he jumps behind the rowboat and they're sitting there shooting <laughs> at him and he's somehow magically teleported into a drain pipe and it's crawling through, I guess, sewage and drain water. Mm-hmm. Uh, across the street, which was a great scene and it was a lot of fun, but it was kind of one of those, ah, how did he do that? in that tight little culvert with his gun, you know, in two seconds. <laughs> so a little bit of that going on. Um, there's a little, a lot of darkness that I didn't expect in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see, um, you know, uh, crazy Cora who, uh, you know, it gave us an amazing performance. She was uh, played by what, Laura Sanjiamoas? Giamoas? Sanjiacomo. Giacomas? Giacomo. Giacomo. Okay. So um, she played, she did an amazing job. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, she's this kind of goofy, silly character. And then just all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she tells this heart sto- heartfelt story about smothering her baby and how her husband put her on her boat and never looked back and left her stranded in Australia, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're just kind of like, what? Where did that come from? You know? Um, so the, I think the pacing's off. Um, however, despite that being an issue, uh, it, it, it's fun. It's a lot of fun to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. I don't know. This movie is very unique. You know what I mean? Like it is a lot of fun, but it's also got a lot of dark, like horrible things in it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, that's where the pacing kind of threw me off balance, I guess. You know, I'm, I'm having a good time enjoying this movie. And then all of a sudden we see Aboriginal people getting herded off of a mountain and dying in mass. And mm-hmm. you're just like, what, how, what, uh, how do I deal with it? And then it goes back to lighthearted humor. And I'm like, well, Mm-hmm. It, it, it was kind of had a trouble with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an interesting movie, like you said, because it's not like any other Western that there is. I mean, for one, it takes place in Australia. That's not a typical mm-hmm. uh, U.S. Western Western. Um, U.S. Western Western. Um and like you said, they had there's this undercurrent of uh, Aborigine slavery um, by the Australians. Um, 
And then there's the whole crazy Korra angle, which I honestly didn't pick up on when I was a kid. Like, I guess I completely glossed over or didn't pay attention to her story about why she's so crazy. Um, and so paying attention to it as an adult, you're like, holy crap. Well, that's the reason she's crazy. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the reason she can't stop calling Matthew Quigley Roy. Um, Cause she's in this state of depression or just complete. She's about to end it. Um, but at the same time, you've got funny, charismatic, lighthearted Tom Selleck over here being cool and doing funny things and getting hit over the head and making funny quips and stuff. So, um, it's a weird mishmash. Uh, all that to say, I didn't dislike it. I actually really enjoy that the story. Um, it is a little rushed. Um, I'm not sure why it was rushed other than they were trying to keep it under a certain runtime maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, but as a result, things do happen that are kind of come out of left field, such as the thing with Matthew ducking behind the, the boat and ending up across town two seconds later. Um, the, the whole way they, uh, uh, Alan Rickman dispatches of crazy Cora and Matthew is to send them out to the desert to die, which seems weird. They should have just killed them. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what that was all about. <clears throat> um, so there's a few little things like that that didn't make much sense, but all in all, I thought there's a lot of interesting messages in here and, uh, trying to delve into slavery and, um, how that's not right. and uh, the treatment of native peoples. And uh, I mean, it wasn't just slavery, right? It, it was a genocide as well. Like he yeah. was trying to kill off all the Aboriginal peoples that were on the land that he owned. Yeah. <clears throat> while, while enslaving them to do his bidding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not, it's not completely lighthearted, but it has a lot of levity in it as well. And maybe that's that was on purpose to make it um, more palatable. Otherwise, it would have been more like a really dark Western drama kind of kind of thing. Anything else you wanted to point out in here? Oh, um, I have. Go ahead. I, I have heard rumors that this uh, movie is actually based off of a true story to an extent. Okay. Uh, I have been unable to officially track down if that's true or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done some research and I've I found an article about Matthew Quigley on uh, Historica Wiki, but I, I don't know if it's accurate or not because it seems awfully suspicious. Like it's got still frames from the movie in it and stuff. So I don't know that that's uh, for sure or not. One thing mm-hmm. I did find is that um, the, the, the script was inspired by an article uh, in the Los Angeles Times that had to do with the genocide of the Aborigines in Australia during the 19th century. Mm-hmm. So it was at least inspired by some real events. Um, yeah. However, if it is a true story, that, that lends a lot more credit to it, I think, because it would explain the pacing a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I, I haven't been able to track down officially if it was or not. Yeah. Yeah, I think. I don't know either. Uh, 
I do see some historical things in here because obviously the Aborigines have been treated un- unfairly and cruelly uh, in Australia. And so that makes sense. <clears throat> um, the other thing I wanted to point out that I forgot about was because the pacing is so quick and because they're always doing something in the movie, there really wasn't much of a romance angle, which I actually appreciated mm-hmm. um, between Cora and Matthew Quigley. Like there's a little wordplay, a little uh, hinting at, at, at stuff, but they don't actually kiss until the very end of the movie. Um, and I, I really appreciated that about the movie that there didn't have, there didn't have to be a, a romance angle necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I am going to come down on the line of this is not based on a true story based on what I'm seeing, uh, yeah. but it's rather just inspired by, by tales of some of the bad things that happened in that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, I think we do consider this a Western. Yeah. But it, it's very not the mold Western. It doesn't feel like. Yeah. Uh, it, it's unique in that sense. Um, it's not really like any Western I can think of. And, and like you said, it's in Australia, but basically it's a Western. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, Tom Selleck's wearing chaps. He's got a gun, a cowboy hat. I mean, he is a cowboy from mm-hmm. the United Wyoming. States, basically. Um, but yeah. The whole traveling overseas. Yeah. It, even if you think about this taking place in America and you replace the Aborigines with Native Americans, it's still a story about, like you said, a genocide of people mm-hmm. and the slavery of a people that I haven't seen much, if any, Westerns about, about that. Um, other than, you know, the, you know, the high level, like, uh, the Americans are taking over the Western land to get rid of the Native Americans, like high level, but you don't actually see them pushing Indians off cliffs and shooting them. And, yeah. Uh, you know, really, like, really graphic scenes. You yeah. Know? Just, <clears throat> I mean, just straight up murdering these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's really, it just kind of takes you out of the movie for a second. It, it's almost like the movie doesn't know what it wants to be. Now, you know, that said, I agree with you and that I, I really enjoyed this movie. Mm. Um, it's, it's a fun watch, but man, those scenes, maybe they're just a little too much. Maybe they could have toned those down just a little bit or something. But, uh, aside from that, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, acting. What do you think of the acting in this movie? Uh, the acting's mostly okay. Uh, for the vast majority of the uh, the movie, I have no issues. There's a couple of cartoons in the movie. Um, Chris Haywood, who plays Major Ashley Pitt, he's like a, a British major in this army that just kind of tramples around, and he's got the what the 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 cap with flaps on, and he's got the monocle. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's a cartoon of a character, really. Uh huh. Um, he's very much on the side of Elliot Marston, who's played by Alan Rickman. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's odd. Uh, another cartoony character I found was the, uh, the Grimmelman dad who's played by Ron Hadrick. He, uh, 
<laughs> he was a little odd too. Like he spoke in a very kind of generic feeling accent. And then the scene where his wife is shot and dies. Uh, I know we watched this the first time together. He just kind of looks up at uh, Quigley and goes, why? <laughs> it's just like, what? <laughs> like, that's the best we can do. And then he kind of starts crying, but his cry is like, <laughs> not, not great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the uh, there was a couple of scenes where you see dead bodies and the dead bodies are very obviously breathing um, mm-hmm. but you know whatever you got to do what you got to do in these films mm-hmm. um, but I mean aside from those mentions um, oh yeah in the the well, the Scottish guy he was a cartoon too what was Scott. his name was that that wasn't Brophy Brophy was the guy who got hit by the tree Dobkin Tony Dobkin, Tony Bonner. Was that him? He was wearing the kilt and yeah. Yeah. What was that all about? That was <laughs> kind of odd. We're in Australia <laughs> and there's just this random Scotsman running around and you think he's going to be like the big bad that uh, Marston hires. And he's, he's really not that great. He just kind of gets taken down and surrenders and that's that. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I appreciated those cast of characters, though, because they were very distinct and yeah. you can always remember them. That's true. Except <laughs> for apparently Dobkin, who we couldn't remember. Who that was. <laughs> we do remember the character, though. Yeah, I generally agree with you. Um, I thought, though, the main three, uh, Tom Selleck, Laura San Giacomo and Alan Rickman were Pretty good. Um, yeah. Alan Rickman, not as good as his performance as Hans Gruber in Die Hard. Definitely um, not his strongest role here. But yeah. I don't think he had a whole lot to work with. Like, he didn't have a whole lot of dialogue, really. And he was just kind of playing this uppity Western fan from Australia, basically. Yeah. Who had a lot of money. He was pretty well one dimensional. Um, yeah. There, he had a story at the beginning where he was talking about how Aborigines killed his family or uh, something like that. So there's sort of a motive there, um, but that's all we get. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, he just becomes this evil kind of cookie idiot. cutter bad guy, kind of an idiot too. Like mm-hmm. all he's doing is throwing his henchmen at the problem. <laughs> um, and he acts like he's really good with the gun, but we don't really ever see a whole lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Laura Sanjicoma, though, she plays a crazy person very well. Yeah. Um, really believable. Uh, and I just like her as a actor. I've seen her in several things and she's always pretty good. She's more of a comedic actress. And you can some of that comes through here. Uh, but the story she tells about her basically killing her own baby to try to keep them safe, uh, is pretty, uh, depressing and dark. Mm-hmm. Um, her acting crazy the whole time. It, it, it just works, I think. <clears throat> and then Tom Selleck, I mean, he, <laughs> You can just he could he could say zero dialogue and I'd be like, yep, he's cool. Mm-hmm. He just has that look. Um, he's funny, charismatic. Um, he's t- 
tough looking, uh, really watchable. He has some really good lines. Um, and yeah, he, he adds the lightheartedness to the story. And while it's kind of a weird mismatch, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, it really what makes me want to see more Westerns. Like I kind of wish he had had a, a whole career span where he went into a whole bunch of Westerns. Cause he, he really did that well. And he seems mm-hmm. like just a perfect fit for it. Yeah. I mean, he's done a lot of like, he's done the, you know, he did a lot of, uh, uh, Louis L'Amour stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he had that crossfire trail series where he plays the same character. Um, but he really didn't have, I think we talked about this. I don't know. Didn't we do another Tom Selleck movie? I, I don't remember doing a Tom Selleck movie. Anyway, um, I think he would have done really good as more of a movie actor, but he didn't go into movies that yeah. much. He he was more of a TV actor. Um, and I always hated that he never became as big of a movie star as he should have been. He definitely had the potential. And yeah, yeah, I feel like in Westerns in particular, he he really shines. Like he almost has a Sam Elliott vibe to him. Mm-hmm. That, that makes me think he could play that role really well. Yeah. And he proves it here. He Like this was great. He, uh, I, I don't think it's the best acting I've ever seen from him, uh, but it wasn't bad. It was good enough. You know, mm-hmm. he, he just embodies that character. Like you really get a sense of his, who he is and what his values are and, and all that stuff. It's it's Mm -hmm. good. Yeah. The, the supporting, the rest of the supporting cast is just kind of there. Mm -hmm. Um, there was, I wish there was more of an Aborigine representative. Like there were a lot of Aborigines, but there weren't many, there weren't any that had actual, uh, speaking roles really. Yeah, the closest we got was uh, Marston's Butler. Yeah, and he re- he didn't he didn't say much. He had a lot of uh, he emoted a lot. Like I don't think he said anything through yeah. the entire movie. <clears throat> we get that really cool scene at the end where he stomps off and takes off his clothes and walks into the and then um, magically summons every Aborigine in the twenty mile radius within thirty seconds. <laughs> yeah. Another. Uh, Another interesting plot development. <laughs> I, I was thinking about that on my second watch. And I think I think we're supposed to presume some time has passed, although the movie doesn't really spell that out because he's you see him picking up gear and sitting outside and then the, the army rides up. But you got to figure it probably was a little bit before the whole I, I don't know what to call them, the British Army. I don't know what they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before they show up, the major and his group, they show up. And so I, I just kind of am assuming that a fair amount of time had passed in between the shootout and them showing up. But I don't know why he was just now picking up the weapons and stuff, but whatever. Yeah. Could also be, uh, you know, I think this may be incorrect completely, but I think Aborigines are associated with magic in some sense. And so yeah, maybe there's, some, there's definitely a mystical aspect to them. Yeah. So maybe they were hinting at that, that they were. <laughs> either creating some kind of illusion or transportation yeah. or something. I don't know. And that, when I say that, I mean that in the context of this movie. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not saying Aborigines are mystic, magical people. So I don't know enough to say that, but mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Art direction, cinematography and visual effects. 
this movie, like most movies um, that are westerns, is are just it's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely gorgeous shots. Um, the landscapes in particular are just outstanding. But uh, aside from that, um, really well done. The, you know, the sound is great. Uh, you get lots of like echoing and, you know, like Aboriginal chants in the background and, and some cool visuals of smoke and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the other scenes outside of that, you know, they're, they're real crisp. They're clean. They're easy to follow. Uh, the action is easy to follow. Uh, the dark scenes are, are lit really well. I feel like where it looks dark, but you can see what's happening without any issues. Um, really well done, honestly. Uh, mm-hmm. I have no complaints at all about the the cinematography or art. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. The really good landscape shots of Australia, assuming it was shot in Australia. I, this was uh, directed by Simon Windsor, as we said, who is Australian. And um, it, it was shot in Australia. Yes, it's really weird to think that Simon Windsor directed this movie after watching Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which was not a great movie um, or a great directed movie. But there it is. Uh, this was that, many is years. That true. What this this had to have been before Crocodile oh, yeah. Dundee. Okay. okay, Los Angeles was in two. Late nineties or early two thousands. So Simon okay. Winsor was ten years older or so than I see what you're saying. I thought you were saying he directed this after he watched that. No, 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 no. That confused me. No. <laughs> um but yeah, really good. Uh there are some really good costumes in here. Um the Aborigines, uh they go completely authentic. With the costumes, which means there is little to no clothing, <laughs> um, which I thought that was that was good. That made it authentic. Quigley's gun is one of it's almost a character in this movie. Um, he talks about his long gun when he's describing it to uh, Marston. And he goes into great length and detail about how his gun works. And then he uh, uses it multiple times throughout the movie. It's almost the first sniper rifle rifle or something. Shoots <laughs> thousands of yards. Um, but really good stuff. Yeah. Um, the rifle is almost a character in itself. You're right yeah. about that. Yeah, I really like that gun. and. It does add a lot to the movie, uh, for sure. And that that gun, you know, when it uh, when it was released, it started kind of a uh, selling spree for that model gun. I can um, see, yeah. They they got super popular. You know, it's been compared to the the forty five and Dirty Harry mm-hmm. combos flipped out. Yeah, I guess. Uh, are we in special effects area here? Mm-hmm. So as far as special effects, um, the, the dingo scene Mm. was Mm -hmm. particularly vicious. Yeah. Did you notice that? Like Mm -hmm. she shoots a couple of the dingoes and then one of them gets torn apart by the other ones. And then out of nowhere in this lighthearted movie, we've get another scene where they just zoom in on a mutilated corpse of a dingo on the ground. I was like, wow. 
uh, it looked good though. Yeah. You know, uh, but I was just kind of like, okay, there that is. That was um, a scene that uh, redeemed her. Right. Uh, crazy Cora. She, she saved the baby without suffocating it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, there was also the scene where, um, Cora and Quigley are being revived by the aboriginally aboriginal medicine men, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, and it does this weird superimpose where it like zooms in on a cave painting and then like the older medicine man's face like shows up behind it. And I was like, that's kind of, I don't know about that. That's weird. (laughs) Um, other than that though, it was pretty, it was pretty okay. Um, I don't know that that rifle would shoot that bucket up in the air at that distance like it did, <laughs> but you know, it's a movie. Yeah. A lot of, uh, a lot of that, like the, anytime he shot someone with it, they would just fly backwards. Oh like my gosh, that one guy. 50 caliber or something. That one guy <laughs> up on top of the hill when he shoots him, like the guy flies completely backwards. Like they had a pull rope on his belt and just yanked this dude. <laughs> I was like, whoa, slow yeah. down there. Yeah. But, that's uh, a powerful gun. <laughs> you know, the, the gun's a superhero in this movie, kind of. It, it's the weapon. It, it's Thor's hammer. Right? Yeah. Selick is Thor. I wouldn't have had it any other way, though, because I love that special effect of them just being rocked back for backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, you know, it was pretty. I, I have nothing to complain about with the cinematography. It told the story that it wanted to pretty well. Pacing issues, that's more plot. So, I mean, as far as the visual storytelling and the art, it was it was real pretty and real fun yeah. to watch. I agree. Uh, score. Uh, outstanding. One of the greatest scores of all time, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a great theme song. And throughout, the music is just great. The, the only complaint I have is that the music tends to be a little more lighthearted than it needs to, given some of the content that this movie gives us. Right. And again, I'm right. going back to that, that weird back and forth pacing that they like, they're doing in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but aside from that, oh my gosh, the music's epic. This is music I could own and listen to regularly. Yeah, I agree. It's so so memorable. Once you get that uh, theme song stuck in your head, and you're humming it or hearing it in your head for hours, if not days. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really good. Um, I thought, I don't think there's a single bit of score that wasn't good in this. Um, while some of it could have been a little more dark to fit the situation, it was, I mean, the, those bits of score were darker. They just weren't maybe as dark as they maybe should have been, but still good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, yeah. I like every bit of it. As much as I like this movie, and, and I do really like this movie, um, I, I think that the score is the absolute best part of it. Yeah, I mean, it's... Like, yeah. I, I think the musical score is better than the movie is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far, but I do really like the musical score. Uh, and that was composed by Basil Polidorus. If that, that has any meaning. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what his other. Let's see here. Mr. Polidorus, if you're listening to this podcast, my apologies. I'm sure you've got more <laughs> under your belt because this was too good for you to not. Yeah. 
uh, Conan, the Conan movies. Oh, okay. Th- those are good. Um, RoboCop. Really? Yep. Uh, Hunt for Red October. Mm-hmm. White good. Fang. Don't remember it. Hot Shots Part Deer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we won't count that one. <laughs> Free Willy. Um, yeah, he's Starship Troopers, Les Miserables. Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. There we go. (laughs) It's all, it all comes back to Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. (laughs) Yeah, he has a quite a, quite a career. Um, and yeah, it's, it's warranted. This is some good, good music in this movie. Yeah, this is amazing. No, no joke. This is some of the best. Uh, original score music I've ever heard. Mm. Um, all right, miscellaneous. I'll uh, I'll piggyback off of what you said earlier. Um, so that that rifle was called a Sharps rifle. Um, and after the movie came out, they were monikered Quigley guns, and they uh, the sales for those guns increased over a thousand percent after the film's release. Um, especially in the U.S. and Australia, and continued all through to 2013. So uh, Simon Winsor, our director and our composer, uh, Basil, this was their second collaboration together. Um, The first one being uh, the very well-received TV series, Lonesome Dove. Ah, yeah. That's a good that's a good series. I remember watching that growing up with my father. I just want to point out again how many good lines there are in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, especially from Tom Selleck. Um, he has some good ones. Um, yeah. So there's a line where he uh, is talking to Crazy Cora and he says uh, something like if she says that he's talking to the baby, there's a baby in the, mm-hmm. in the movie he says, uh, if she says that again, you go ahead and pee on her dress or something. Mm-hmm. It's a brand new dress, which is a line that was uh, messed up in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there's a whole gaggle of uh, tiny little quips that he makes like that that are funny. Oh, and he has a very uh, he has a recurring line uh, where he says, Excuse me. And mm-hmm. <laughs> it's usually when he's about to shoot somebody or punch him out. <laughs> yeah, there are there are a lot of good lines in this movie. Uh, I liked uh, Marston's. Uh, Nobody throws me out of my own house. And then he, he storms back in and then he gets thrown out of his house again. Oh, that was a great little scene. So good. <laughs> Well, what are you waiting, standing around for? Get him. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Good stuff. Um, well, if you don't have any more, you can move to overall thoughts and star rating. That was uh-huh. All right. So, um, as I've said, I really enjoyed this movie. It's a lot of fun. It's a Western, but it's a Western that kind of breaks out of the mold of Westerns. Um, it's a fun story. Uh, it's got lots of lighthearted, fun moments in it. Um, and then it likes to just occasionally punch you right in the nose as hard as it can with graphic content and horrible things, mm-hmm. um, which 
you know, I'm, I'm glad that they're portraying that in the movie, but it feels like it should have been handled differently given the overall feel of the film, which is a lighthearted adventure film. Um, so I have to take off some points for that. I feel like this movie either needed to be a dead serious movie about all the awful things that these people are going through, or it needed to be a lighthearted fun movie about Quigley in Australia. Um, but doing both of them definitely threw me off base a bit. Uh, that said, uh, like this movie, have liked it for a long time. Uh, I'm going to come in, I think, with a seven on this one. I, yeah, I really like this movie. I've been watching it since I was young, um, eight or ten. I forget exactly when. John Murphy. Yes. This is a PG-13 movie. And you should say you've been watching this since you were 13, sir. Different times, different times. <laughs> I'm calling the police. <laughs> I remember watching Silence of the Lambs when I was eight. Good heavens. <laughs> no, I'm not explained so much. I'm not condoning that for your children, <laughs> listeners, but that is what happened. Um, yeah. You're why we had a Robocop cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, love this movie. Um, I'm a big Tom Selleck fan. I think he didn't get as much recognition as he should have gotten. Uh, this movie is unique. It's a Western, which means I automatically default to probably a five. Um, but it's a unique Western that takes place in Australia. It has uh, commentary on Australian cruelty or sorry, Aboriginal cruelty and slavery and genocide. Basically, Um, there's a lot of dark stuff in this movie, uh, but I actually am the opposite of Matt. I think the levity kind of helps uh, tell the story without it being just completely depressing because the stuff that is in there where they're just, chucking Aborigines off of a cliff and then they show you the bodies laying dead at the bottom. Um, and then there's a lone baby that somehow survived. Uh, that's, that's some pretty dark stuff. And I don't know how I would have liked a movie that was just completely all that. Um, so I give it credit for mishmashing serious subject matter with uh, more of a lighthearted take. Um, Tom Selleck is great. He He's funny, charismatic. Uh, Alan Rickman is a good bad guy, albeit one-dimensional. Um, Laura Sangiacoma is crazy. She plays crazy good. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, I, I really like it. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Mm. I thought about a 9, but I don't know. I just I landed on an 8. Time for some Spice Awards. The Spice Awards. We have three categories. Best Actor, Most Underrated Performance, and Favorite Scene. Best Actor. Matt. Uh, to me, this one was pretty easy. Uh, it is Laura San Giacomo as Crazy Cora. Mm-hmm. I grabbed the baby and a pistol and I hid in the root cellar out back. And the Indians tore up our sod house and I was real quiet, but then the baby started crying. 
I tried to shush him and suckle him, but he just wouldn't stop. One Comanche, I remember, he acted real drunk and wore my green apron. He must have heard something and started hollering and coming closer. So I put my hand gentle-like over my baby's mouth. Don't cry. Daddy will be home soon. The Indians found us, but they just laughed. Baby's drunk. Didn't want to hurt anybody. And rode away. And sundown, Roy came home, but I was still afraid to come out of the cellar. I was afraid of what he'd do when he saw I smothered our son. I gotta find some way to mend this petticoat. Look at that. She uh, really plays that character well. She flips the switch between crazy and heartfelt like that. Uh, and she keeps you guessing the whole movie. In fact, I watched the entire movie twice and I still don't know if she was actually crazy or if she was just putting on to act crazy as a front uh, to kind of protect herself. You know, mm-hmm. Um I thought her character was a lot more complex than she appeared to be. She gave us lots of laughs. She had her whole redemption arc. um, And I thought she played it great. I thought she did an amazing job. Uh, On top of that, uh, she is absolutely adorable in this movie. Um, I I feel weird saying that as a incentive for me voting best actor here, but it's, it's true. She is adorable. She, she is one of the cutest actresses I've ever seen in a movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll be honest, it doesn't hurt. Uh, <laughs> but aside from that, uh, her performance was outstanding, regardless of her cuteness. Um, she uh, she really just played this, I feel like, a really complex character in a, a great way. Um, and I'm glad it was her, and I want to see more movies with her. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I second that. And so this... I'll go ahead and say she was my most underrated performance um, Mm. because I don't think she got as much recognition for that role as she should have. Um, And as rushed as this movie was, they very well could have completely cut her character's arc, but they didn't. And she makes the most of it. And like you said, there are moments where you're not sure if she's come out of the crazy and she's just acting, acting crazy. Um, uh, or if she's really still in that crazy zone. Um, and that's, that's really hard to pull off, I think. Um, and yeah, I agree. She's, she's very, uh, a a very attractive woman. Um, and young John had lots of thoughts, (laughs) but anyway, that has no bearing on her acting ability. Um, she just does a really good job. Uh, I picked for best actor. I picked Tom Selleck. I don't reckon the lady's all that anxious to get in your wagon, Mister. Roy, oh Roy, it's you! Uh, I'm not Roy. Every time lady. there's a ship from I'm America, sorry. I come down here looking for you. And my God, you've come for me. I'm sorry, Roy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for everything. It's crazy, Cora. Belong to you. 
Didn't say that. I said she don't want to get in your wagon. She knows it. Well, the boss says we can take some white tarts back to the station because we're sick of black ladies. So you just tell Cora to come real quiet and we'll feed her regular and everything. Please take me home, Roy. Mate. Excuse me. I'm new here. So I ain't rightly certain. Is everybody in this country as butt ugly as you three? Because when I was a young boy, I wanted to be him. Like, he so makes... I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I have to ask. Yes. Is it actually Tom Selleck or is it Tom Selleck's mustache? <laughs> I mean, he has the most iconic mustache of any actor, except maybe for Burt Reynolds. But <laughs> but yeah, I I always wanted to grow one of those. But I'm too I'm I'm too uh, nervous. I, w I couldn't pull off a handlebar mustache. You could you could 100 percent pull it off. Yeah. I think it would uh, exude uh, creeper vibes. <coughs> uh, but anyway, so I had to live vicariously through the actors and I lived vicariously through Tom Selleck because he was very cool. He makes you want to be in his shoes and be cool like him. Um, he has some, I've said this over and over again, but he's very charismatic. He has some really good lines. Um, He's tough. Uh, and he seems like a smart character in this movie. Like he, he gets into tough spots, but he always seems to find a way out of them. Um, so it, he really made the movie for me. I, I can't imagine anybody else doing that. Uh, he just has, that's his role. Like that's the role he was made to, to, to play. So I already gave my most underrated performance. What is your most underrated performance, sir? Mine went to none other than O'Flynn, who was played by Ben Mendelssohn. Oh, sure. But, you know, you give me a weapon like that and I could beat him with my eyes shut. Easy to say, O'Flynn. You've got a lot to learn. Oh, I've got a lot to learn. Well, look at you then, Dobkin. Why, you've been here 12 years and all you've got to show for it is cold mutton. He's in getting a fancy dinner. Huh? Uh, Old Flynn is the uh, the redheaded kind of young buck that uh, runs in Marston's gang. He's the one that winds up sneaking up on Quigley and taking him captive near the end of the movie. Holy crap. I just realized who that was. <laughs> That's Ben yeah. Mendelsohn. It is Ben Mendelsohn. Holy That's cow. Correct. <laughs> wow mind blown okay go ahead no I was just going to say you know most of uh, Marston's crew didn't get a lot of screen time he was one of the ones that had pretty regular speaking roles and uh, I felt like he did a pretty good job being this kind of upstart kid who wants to prove himself that you know he's constantly dealing with uh Marston being all smart and being like, keep practicing kid, but he keeps trying over and over and harder and harder. And, um, 
yeah, I just, I felt like he did a, a pretty great job. Yeah. Yeah. I liked him. And, and this is the, the young upstart, the, the guy that is trying to prove something to, mm-hmm. uh, Marston. Um, and he's, he gets his shot literally. Um, and that's Ben Mendelsohn. Who has been in Star Wars and the Outsider TV series based on the Stephen King book? Um, Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight Rises. Crazy. I didn't even put that together. Wow. So there you go. That's got to be one of his earliest. No, it's not. Well, yeah. It's one of his earliest movies. Yeah, he did some TV. But uh, as far as movies, it was one of his first, not his first. Wow. Uh, all right. Favorite scene for me to go. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, for favorite scene, I've got to go with the attack on the Grimmelman house. Um, it was the, the most fun of all the action scenes I felt like. Oh yeah. Um, it's unfortunately also the scene where, uh, Mr. Grimmelman goes, Why? <laughs> but, um, it was fun. It was a fun scene. You know, he's there visiting, they're helping him out. He finds out that he's kind of become a legend. I think they're calling him the spirit Walker or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, He's getting ready to leave, but Marston's guys find him there, kidnap the the Grimmelman's son. Uh, he comes out and it starts a big a big gunfight starts, and the house that he's staying in, house slash store, winds up catching on fire. He escapes out of the roof, takes a guy out with a chimney top, uh, hops down, uh, gets chased, hides behind a rowboat, magically crawls through a pipe, and then takes him out while crouched in the pipe. And then my favorite shot just about of the whole movie, you see one of Marston's men running in front of the burning building and then turning and going down an alleyway right next to it. And he's just stalking him, holding his gun, walking fast, but not running. And he just turns and goes right into that fire after him. And I thought that was such a cool looking visual scene. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, hands down for me, that was my favorite scene. Although Um, I will say a close second to me was the dingo attack. That's a good one, too. Yeah, that attack in the town was was good. I forgot about it, sort of, because uh, there's that funny scene. It It's action-packed, but then there's a little humor in there where he throws the chimney, part of the chimney on the guy's head, and then he tries to jump from one building to the next and breaks through the roof, and mm. he, hadn't planned, <laughs> he hadn't planned for that. <laughs> Um, and then he acts like he's one of them carrying a bucket of water out to escape and they, they catch him or they recognize him and then, uh, 
But yeah, good stuff. <clears throat> uh, my favorite scene, which is the scene that I associate with this movie, is the scene where uh, Quigley is describing his long gun to Marston hmm. after he makes it to Australia. It's a lever action breech loader. Usual barrel length's 30 inches. This one has an extra four. It's converted to use a special 45 caliber 110 grain metal cartridge with a 540 grain paper patch bullet. It's fitted with double set triggers and a vernier sight. It's marked up to 1,200 yards. This one shoots a mite further. An experimental weapon with experimental ammunition. You could call it that. That's an experiment. Uh, it's just such a cool scene. Like he's describing that gun, which is something I had never seen before. This huge gun with a big old sight on it. And he has, Marston has the guy ride the bucket out and Quigley's just nonchalantly just standing there, checking out his gun, cleaning it. He's not even paying attention to the guy riding the horse. And then forever passes. And then he's like, that's about far enough. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, I don't know, a thousand yards away, if, if not more. And Quigley gets up. He doesn't even crouch or anything. He stands completely upright with this gun, this big old gun. And he's acting like he's maybe not so sure about it. <clears throat> and Marston's like, should, should we move the bucket a bit closer? And then he looks at Marston and he turns around and fires off three shots very quickly and hits all, all three hit the bucket. And that's just, that's this movie in a nutshell for me. Um, just super cool. And one of my favorite scenes. Oh, okay. Well, that'll going to do it. I guess Hmm. we have reviewed this movie. It was really fun. I, I loved revisiting that one. Yeah, that was uh, that was a good choice, and it was a lot of fun. Now, something mm -hmm. I don't know about, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is what, what you're going to pick for the next movie. Oh, John Murphy, I've got a good one lined up for us this time. Okay. Is it along the lines of the very excellent Mr. Dundee? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. For this movie, I'm going to take us back to the year 1972. Okay. We're going back before Jaws. Okay. We're going to a creature feature before Jaws. Hmm. We are going to see the amazing, the horrifying, <laughs> the most horrendously terrifying movie of that year. Mm -hmm. Night of the Lepus. <laughs> Okay. Yep. You showed me the trailer for this. <clears throat> and I don't, I just don't know yet, but hopefully it'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> I think that's the most we can hope for. Okay. I've seen it, but I was young when I watched it. And <laughs> even as a kid, I thought it was hilarious. So we'll see if it stacks up to uh, my adult standards. Okay. All right, Matt, you heard it here first. <laughs> In two weeks, we will review the 1972 horror film 
Uh, it, it is officially horror. Whether okay. or not it's scary depends on how scary <laughs> you think bunny rabbits are. Yeah. Uh, Night of the Lepus, starring Stuart Whitman, uh, directed by William <laughs> F. Claxton. So, <laughs> we'd love it if you'd subscribe to the Cinema Men podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. You can head over to cinemamenpodcast.com to check out new and old episodes. We love to hear from listeners, so if you have a suggestion or want to give us your take on a movie, you can email us at feedback at cinemamenpodcast.com or check us out on Twitter at twitter.com slash cinemamenpod. Thanks for listening.